Hi, and welcome to a special Supreme Court breaking news edition of the Legal LGBT Podcast. I'm Eric Lesh, Executive Director of Legal, the LGBT Bar of New York. On February 24th, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to hear Fulton v. City of Philadelphia. The Supreme Court will decide whether Philadelphia violated the First Amendment when it stopped referring children in the foster care system to agencies that refuse to work with same-sex couples on religious grounds. On one side of the V is Catholic Social Services, or CSS, a taxpayer-funded child welfare agency which claims a constitutional right to turn away same-sex couples seeking to provide loving homes to children in the public welfare system. They are supported by the well-funded anti-LGBT group the Beckett Fund and apparently at least four conservative justices who believe that people with a narrow view of Christianity should be able to use their views as a sword to force taxpayers to fund their discriminatory practices. On the other side of the V is the city of Philadelphia, which has a non-discrimination requirement for government contractors. They argued successfully in the Third Circuit that the agency, CSS, should have to comply with their policy, even if their religious views compel discrimination against LGBT youth and families. The Third Circuit Court of Appeals rejected CSS's argument, as I said, that they have a right to discriminate because of religion, because... Uh, the Third Circuit Court of Appeals rejected CSS's argument that they have a right to discriminate because of a religious objection to approving families headed by same-sex couples. The Supreme Court granted cert and in all likelihood is positioned to reverse this opinion and potentially upend precedent holding that the Constitution does not offer a right for individuals, businesses, and others to opt out of neutral laws of general applicability for religious reasons. This is going to be a groundbreaking case of the, of the next term art, uh, potentially devastating uh, ruling for LGBT people. Tell us what's at stake in this issue. Well, what's, this, what's, it, what's possibly at stake is the survival of Employment Division versus Smith, a 1990 decision which itself revolutionized First Amendment law on this topic. Prior to Employment Division versus Smith, the general rule followed by the federal courts and the Supreme Court was that if a law substantially burdens someone's free exercise of religion, it's subject to strict scrutiny in its application to that individual. And... Uh, the state would have to have a compelling interest uh, to justify doing that. And uh, it would have to be a narrowly focused policy uh, towards achieving that interest, uh, imposing the minimum amount of burden possible under the circumstances. Uh, In Employment Division versus Smith, in an opinion by Justice Scalia, uh, which was not a unanimous decision, the court abandoned that approach and said that if we're talking about a neutral law, and that is a law that's neutral with respect to religion, a right. law it's not targeting a particular it doesn't group on its or... face say anything about religion. It isn't. Right. Uh, it wasn't adopted for the purpose of targeting a particular religion because sometimes you have a law that on its face looks neutral, but you can tell from its legislative history that it was specifically intended to apply to a particular religious practice. Right. Uh, so if you have a neutral law. And it's a law of general applicability. That is, it applies pretty much across the board to everybody. They're not just applying it to religious groups or something like that. Uh, Then people have to comply with it. And just because it burdens their religious practice, that doesn't raise a constitutional issue, according to Justice Scalia's opinion 
in Employment Division versus Smith. And that's a case now uh, that's uh, 30 years old. Yep. It's a venerable precedent. It's been applied many, many times. Several conservative members of the court have expressed misgivings about it. Uh, the funny thing is, when the opinion was issued, it was controversial both on the left and the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the dissenters were liberal members of the court who felt that it didn't uh, give enough sway to the free exercise rights of individuals. That was a case in which two men were discharged by their employer after flunking a drug test. They flunked the drug test because they were Native Americans who used peyote in a religious ceremony. Mm-hmm. All right, so they flunked the drug test, they're fired. The employer has a right to do that. Uh, the uh, Title Seven has never been uh, construed to require employers to continue to employ people who flunk drug tests because of their religious beliefs. Uh, but they applied for unemployment benefits, which was opposed by their employer, and the Oregon Employment uh, Division denied the benefits on the grounds that they were fired for cause. They claimed that because they were using peyote in a religious ceremony, they were exercising their free exercise of religion, it's constitutionally protected conduct. They shouldn't be disqualified for unemployment benefits. And in rejecting that argument, the Supreme Court said the unemployment benefits law and its requirement that you not be fired for cause in order to be eligible to get benefits is a neutral law of general application, and they shouldn't be entitled to the benefits. Yep. And then it caused an uproar. We passed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which was signed by Bill Clinton. We've since had a lot of litigation in that space. And and the point to make about the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, as originally envisaged by Congress, it was to overrule the court and restore the First Amendment analysis that predated Employment Division versus Smith. But in a subsequent case, the Supreme Court said Congress cannot overrule a constitutional ruling by the Supreme Court. But Congress could decide to restrict its own powers uh, through statutes. So Congress could pass a statute, which was the revised version of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, Mm. which says that if a federal statute is applied to, uh, in a way that substantially burdens someone's free exercise of religion, we're gonna use the old analysis from before Employment Division versus Smith, uh, the equivalent of strict scrutiny, that the government has to show it has a compelling interest to do so, and that there's no less restrictive alternative. That's the language they used. And many states, although not a majority right away, but many states pass their own versions of that. One of them is Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. interestingly, uh, whose uh, religious freedom statute would potentially be applicable in this case involving Catholic social services in Philadelphia. But uh, this case is not about RIFRA, unlike Hobby right. Lobby and other right. constitutional this, rulings. The Supreme Court cert grant is solely on the constitutional issues. And... Uh, the Third Circuit rejected several claims. They rejected a so free wait. So what is the what are the facts of this particular case well, this, before this case, we get into the argument? Interestingly, this doesn't involve actual discrimination against anybody. Okay. In other words, this isn't a case of a same-sex couple who went to Catholic and got social services away. and got turned away. And in fact, if they went to Catholic social services, according to the testimony in this case, they would have been referred to another agency. They would have been happy to deal with them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there were thirty agencies at the time. Uh, that had contracts with the city of Philadelphia to vet people uh, to be foster parents and then to receive referrals from the city and place kids with them. Uh, So they they had many choices, and no one actually, according to Catholic Social Services, they have had a contract with the city for over a century. Since the early years of the 20th century, they've been doing this work for the city, and they said in that entire time, no one, no one has ever come to them 
asking them to certify a same-sex couple. Okay, Art, so are, how are you this setting happen? this up as if no, this Catholic... No, I, I'm just saying, how did this happen? This happened... Oh, okay. This happened because... Because it's ridiculous. This happened because the question was in the air two years ago when this case arose. And why was it in the air? Well, because there were some places around the country where Catholic social service agencies ran into trouble with local municipal governments that had anti-discrimination laws, and they were refusing, you know, after Obergefell, and they started getting married, same-sex couples applying, and they didn't want to deal with them. So it became an issue. And there are places around the country where Catholic agencies have actually stopped doing this work. And where Catholic agencies are the sole people that do this work well, that, that's for the rare government. in a major metropolitan area. That's rare because there are usually Jewish social welfare organizations and Presbyterian, you know, Protestant. Okay. But the Catholics are biggies here. You know, they're a major player in this. Okay. Uh, so uh, some reporters for the Philadelphia Inquirer were assigned to look into this and, uh, you know, whether there were agencies in Philadelphia that were refusing or that would refuse same-sex couples. And one of the reasons probably was because of Chief Justice Roberts' dissent in Obergefell. Because if you look at his dissent in Obergefell, he talks about the inevitable clash once we have same-sex marriage between same-sex marriage and religion uh, because of people with religious views who don't want to provide goods and services. And he specifically cites as an example, what about a religious adoption agency that doesn't want to deal with same-sex couples? So he plants the seed right there. All right, so these reporters were assigned by the Philadelphia Inquirer to investigate this story. So they started calling around to the religiously affiliated social service agencies in Philadelphia. Uh, a majority of the contractors to the city to do this work are religiously affiliated agencies. And they discovered everybody was willing to deal with same-sex couples except two, Catholic Social Services and Bethany Religious Services. All right. So uh, they, uh, they notified the city of what they found before they published the article. They said, we want to alert you because this article's coming mm -hmm. and you're going, to be, you're going to get questions. You're going to get questions from the public and maybe you know, the city council might be concerned. Uh, we've discovered that there are two agencies that contract with the city that will not, will not evaluate same-sex couples. Uh, and uh, you better follow up on this. So uh, this was referred to the agency that's in charge of this, okay. the Human Services Agency. And they contacted Bethany, and they contacted Catholic, which is referred to in the opinion as just CSS. They contacted and said, is this true? These reporters tell us that you won't deal with same-sex couples. And both of them said, yes, it's true. And they said, well, you know, you may lose your contract over this. And these are annual contracts or for renewal on an annual basis. They said, we may not renew your contract. You know, you may have some problems here. You're in violation of our non-discrimination well, policy. Should you follow through on your stated? Well, there are there are some issues about that as well. Pennsylvania does not ban sexual orientation discrimination. Philadelphia has an ordinance that does. There is some question, and this became a dispute in the case, whether Catholic Social Services is a public accommodation subject to that ordinance. Uh, they said, we don't provide goods and services to the public. We perform a function by contract with the city of evaluating people for foster parents' placement. We don't think we're a public accommodation. Uh, <laughs> right, so that, that was one of their arguments. But, <clears throat> but, but the, the agency said, look, we, we believe that... Great. If the Supreme Court so holds very narrowly yeah. that this isn't a public accommodation, fine. Well, I don't think they can because that's a question of interpreting state, uh, actually city That's law. not why they granted this no, case. No, they didn't. Uh, so, you know, this is a complicated case when you get right down to it. So uh, eventually, Bethany Religious Services backed down and they said, okay, 
we will deal with married same-sex couples. Uh, but Catholic Social Services stood firm. They refused. Uh, and the agency immediately put a freeze on referrals to them. Okay. Which is an immediate problem for them because they get paid by the city for doing this. Right. And this was funding their operation. Of course, they do very. They have other programs with the city, too, and none right. of them were canceled. Just okay. this one. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the article appears a few days later in the Philadelphia Inquirer, and the city council goes ballistic. And they pass a resolution directing the civil rights agency that enforces their anti-discrimination law to investigate the contracting practices of the human services agency. Good. That's what non-discrimination you know, right. ordinances are for. And uh, what eventually happens is the freeze turns into a non-renewal. Okay. So first it's frozen and then it's non-renewed. And in the meantime, Catholic Social Services enlists some of their uh, prospective uh, foster parents uh, to join them in a lawsuit represented by the Beckett Fund. And they go into the Eastern District of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, and they get Judge Tucker, uh, uh, Patrice Tucker, and they ask her for a temporary restraining order to keep the referrals flowing while the case is litigated, and she says no. Okay. So then they ask for a preliminary injunction, and she says no. You know, temporary restraining order would be, a, uh, you know, uh, uh, ex parte, uh, preliminary injunctions after the other party's been served. They've had some mm -hmm. argument, and they said no. Okay. And uh, Catholic Social Services made an emergency application to the Third Circuit, and they said no. Yep. Then they made an emergency application to the U.S. Supreme Court, and they said no. This is back in 2018. Mm. All right, so we're back before Judge Tucker, and uh, they renew their uh, motion for a preliminary injunction, and there's a hearing and all kinds of evidence, and they said, look, uh, under Catholic doctrine, we cannot recognize same-sex marriages as valid. And under Catholic doctrine, we cannot approve to be foster parents anything other than single people and married people. And since we don't consider same-sex couples married under state law to be married, okay. they're not married. You know, so we can't do it. And they said, we're happy to make referrals. We right. don't turn people away. Isn't this always the... We, it's not that yeah. we would turn away a, a gay person for a wedding cake. It's that same-sex couples, we don't celebrate right. their weddings. Right. We don't we discriminate. Don't discriminate. Come on. You know, we're just observing our religion, right? right? Okay. So they say, and under the First Amendment, we have a right to reserve our religion. We're a religious agency. We're affiliated with the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. We're not some business. You know, mm -hmm. We're not a public accommodation. Uh, but uh, but know, give they, us money, Philadelphia. They were given an ultimatum. They, 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 you know, they said, comply with our law, our anti-discrimination law, or you lose your contract. Yep. So they lost their contract, and uh, they appealed to the Third Circuit, and the Third Circuit rejected uh, a free exercise claim. They rejected an establishment clause claim. Uh, the argument was that you're continuing to uh, send referrals to other religious agencies. Why not us? Yeah. And, you know, the establishment clause is violated if government favors one religion over another. So they said, you're favoring other religions over us. And the court said, no, they're not. They're, uh, they're enforcing the anti-discrimination law. Then they said, uh, free speech claim. They said, you are compelling us to certify that same-sex couples are qualified. Yeah. And that's compelled speech. And the court said, no, this is a regulation of conduct, not speech. Uh, that you're refusing to actually evaluate them. Okay. Uh, so they had all these all these arguments, and of course the argument that they weren't a public accommodation, and uh, the Third Circuit rejected them all. Unanimous panel. One of the judges wow. on the panel was appointed by Reagan. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. So it goes to the Supreme Court, and uh, the questions presented. 
whether free exercise plaintiffs can only succeed by proving a particular type of discrimination claim, namely that the government would allow the same conduct by someone who held different religious views, as two circuits have held, or whether courts must consider other evidence that the law is not neutral and generally applicable, as six circuits have held. Mm-hmm. It seems that they were, they were making some sort of argument that, uh, that the uh, Third Circuit applied the wrong test for deciding whether it was a neutral law, and that, in fact, they were being targeted and it wasn't neutral. Okay. Uh, whether Employment Division versus Smith should be revisited, oh, and they Lord. use the word revisited because that's the language that I believe Justice Gorsuch used in one concurring opinion where he said that this should be reconsidered uh, in the uh, Masterpiece case. Yeah. And then whether a government violates the First Amendment by conditioning a religious agency's ability to participate in the foster care system on taking actions and making statements that directly contradict the agency's religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. All right, so the, the question is framed. And we know uh, from statements that they made or concurrences or things of that sort that at least four members of the court think Employment Division versus Smith should be reconsidered. That doesn't necessarily mean they think it should be overruled. They may think it should be narrowed. They may think uh, exceptions should be noted. Maybe they'll draw a line between religious organizations and individuals or for-profit businesses, which would be nice. Uh, because, you know, the Hobby Lobby case was actually Closely decided... Yeah, well, the Hobby Lobby case was actually decided under the Religious Freedom Restoration right. Act, not the First Amendment. Right, so that would constitutionalize, right. perhaps, the right. Hobby Lobby line. Right. If it they... would constitution if, if they, they... If Employment Division versus Smith goes down, uh, free exercise will be, uh, it will just explode as a defense against anti-gay discrimination. It will tear a big hole. And in fact, uh, the court, the Third Circuit in this case, said that without Employment Division versus Smith, you're basically saying that anti-discrimination laws can't protect certain people, like LGBT people. Right. So yeah. we're talking about foster care here, but the repercussions, right. should they overrule um, employment division versus Smith, are right. this, this is across the, the board. This is one of the issues that uh, we were very concerned about with the Masterpiece case, that, yeah. that might put employment division versus Smith into play. And uh, as I noted in, in a concurring opinion, Justice Gorsuch, I think, joined by uh, Alito, maybe Thomas, mm-hmm. Justice Gorsuch uh, suggested putting employment division versus Smith into play. We don't know what Roberts thinks about Employment Division versus Smith. Uh, I think the liberals on the court would probably want to keep it. Yeah. But, you know, I think Justice Brennan was one of the dissenters in Employment Division versus Smith. Right. I mean, the, the idea was that uh, many members of the court at the time felt that their existing First Amendment jurisprudence was just fine and could handle that case just fine. They didn't have to change it. Yeah. Uh, and Scalia was actually being an activist there. Yeah. in the sense of adopting a whole new approach. So this is incredibly important, and the importance of this is highlighted by the amicus briefs that were filed in the Third Circuit. Okay. I mean, usually in a circuit court of appeals, unless a case has gotten really big play as part of the cultural wars or something like that, yeah. you don't see lots of amicus briefs. Here there were 16 amicus briefs. Wow. There was an amicus brief on behalf of conservative states that want Employment Division versus Smith to be overturned. Okay. There were amicus briefs from liberal states like New York and New Jersey who want Employment Division versus Smith to be maintained uh, and who want to be able to enforce their anti-discrimination laws against agencies that contract with the state. Uh, I mean, New York State polices that. 
Right. There are a number of reasons why a bunch of amicus uh, would seek to be um, be heard in this case. Number one, the Supreme Court signaled that they're looking for a vehicle to revisit Smith. um, And so everybody wants to get in. And this discrimination and adoption and foster care is popping up all over the country. Um, There are bills that would uh, allow for discrimination in these settings. There are anti-discrimination statutes that are being enforced in other places, like at issue here. So this is an issue that's popping up all over. And there's the Trump uh, Trump administration proposed regulation that would allow, under the health care, Obamacare, would allow uh, religiously affiliated uh, healthcare institutions to refuse to provide services that were contrary to their religious beliefs. Right. And, you know, at, at stake here are what we're talking about here are LGBT, loving LGBT couples who uh, an agency taking money from the government is saying, we don't see you as married. We'd rather not place a child, period, than place one with you. Um, at stake here is, of course, you know, discrimination across the board in the area of families uh, and real LGBT Well, that's if they decided based on the third question. If they decided based on the second question, which is should we reverse Employment Division versus Smith, uh, it could tear a big hole into protection under Title VII if we happen to win the Title VII cases that are still pending. Mm -hmm. You know, all of a sudden, because the, the Supreme Court is willing to treat for-profit businesses the same as religious corporations in terms of free exercise of religion. Right. So they say, yes, you have a claim under Title VII based on sex discrimination. However, your employer has this broad constitutional exemption as a, you know, Walmart, for example, or a big not, you know, Well, I, I would doubt that a big for-profit publicly held corporation would take that position. Well, but some would say, like Hobby Lobby, which... You know, they may be privately held, but they're huge, you know, thousands yeah. of dollars. Okay, fine. But the so. point would be that a big for-profit co- corporation like Walmart, were their public support to do that on the right. board, um, could do that in that instance if employment versus... Uh, I, I even, versus I even speculate regarding the religious agencies in Philadelphia. All right. When people, when reporters phoned around and then when the director of the Human Services Department phoned around to religious agencies to ask, do you deal with same-sex couples? Most of them said yes. You know, only two of them said no. If there was a decision saying that religiously affiliated agencies have a right to refuse to deal with same-sex couples, I'm sure many more of them would toe that line, Yeah, which would stop uh, doing it. You know, they many of them fear bad publicity. They fear getting sued. But if the Supreme Court gives them the green light. Okay, so two quick questions, and then we'll sum up. One, what are the chances that we don't get a bad ruling in the way that we, like either a narrow ruling or, or a win, um, which doesn't seem likely? Um, what, are the ch- what are those chances? And the second one is timing. Well, what, what can we well, expect? This, this, this comes down to Chief Justice Roberts, really. Okay. I mean, if, assuming that the four justices to his right, uh, Justice uh, uh, Kavanaugh, Justice Gorsuch, Justice Alito, and Justice Thomas, would probably like to either abandon Employment Division versus Smith or really narrow it in some way. Uh, I'm assuming that none of the justices to his left would go that way these days, uh, probably. And uh, so it all comes down to to Roberts as a swing voter. And and as a swing voter, 
uh, he has sided with the conservatives the overwhelming majority of the time, but every now and then he, he goes off the, the reservation uh, in like the Obamacare case or uh, in the census question case last spring. Every now every and then he, he, he crosses over and uh, it's hard to know. It's hard to know. Though, terms, as you mentioned, he signaled that he he this particular he factual this issue. He's, well, the adoption sim- rather than force. But same still, the issue. same principle. Uh, so he signaled this in his dissent as a problematic question, which he predicted will be back before us within a year or two. Yeah, here it is. All right, cert grants in February are for the next term because they finish arguing this term on April twenty ninth. That's okay. their last argument date. And uh, the petitioners now have 45 days to file their principal merits brief. Okay. And then there's another month for the respondents to file their brief and then okay. reply briefs. So this isn't going to be fully briefed in time to be argued this term. Uh, yep. Generally, the rule of thumb has been that uh, once the court goes on its brief midwinter break, which it's just ended, uh, the new cert grants after that are for the following term. So we could probably see this argued early next term. Maybe before the elections, maybe after the elections, but definitely no decision before the elections. Right. So, for at least for now, and through the summer, starting today, yeah. and before then, we're mostly just watching for Title Seven. Right, and and also there's one more cert petition that they haven't ruled on yet, Arlene's, Arlene's flowers. flowers, and uh, that's on the conference agenda again for this coming Friday. Okay, and what are your what are what are your thoughts on when we might get the uh, Title Seven ruling tomorrow? Is possible. <laughs> well, the, the point is, they were arguing that those three cases it was early. It was second three, day, they were, they were arguing on October eighth. Yeah. All right, and the opinions. There were four opinions released this morning by the Supreme Court. We're recording this on uh, February twenty fifth. There were a handful of opinions this morning, and I think they were all argued after October eighth. Yeah. But the point is, this is going to take some time on the Title Seven, because there are two distinct issues. There's sexual orientation, there's gender identity, there are three different cases, they're in different procedural postures. Uh, and on top of that, the court may fracture in many different ways. I can see it possible to win on, say, gender identity and not on sexual orientation, or vice versa. Right, yeah. You know, we, we never know how this is going to come out at the Supreme Court. Wow. And from the oral arguments, it sounded, for example, like Justice Gorsuch was sort of thinking out loud about how, yeah, based on the actual text of the statute and the lack of legislative history and all this, maybe it's possible to find that a sexual orientation claim is a version of sex discrimination. Yeah. And it seems to me that the gender identity claim, it's almost intuitively obvious that when you discriminate against somebody who's transitioning, it's because of their sex. Yeah. But, like, I, you know, what I keep thinking is your is your point about... No matter what happens, uh, what happens in this new, uh, in Fulton v. Philadelphia, could totally upend whatever good ruling we get in the Title VII cases. Because generally when an individual or a, a business is discriminating or firing somebody because of their sexual orientation or gender identity, they cite some fundamental belief about how gender is conceived or predetermined by genitals at birth and hormones or biology, and then, you know, whether they think queer people should exist. Um, yeah, it is, it is very easy for somebody uh, who can claim some sort of affiliation with a traditional view, religious yeah. uh, body of some sort to state that they have a sincerely held religious belief. And 
one of the outrageous things about our law on this, and, and perhaps it's inevitable, is the court says we will not inquire into the sincerity of the belief. Right. You know, if you can come in with evidence that the person has been totally inconsistent and to cast doubt on their sincerity, perhaps. But remember the Boy Scouts case. They right. said, oh, the sincerity of their belief, we don't go into that. Right. We don't go into that. Yeah. Um, and the Boy Scouts is bankrupt. Yeah, the Boy Scouts filed for <laughs> bankruptcy. Uh, what a, what and, a, and that is part of the consequences of the Dale case because uh, one of the problems that they faced in that case, uh, and I think one of the reasons they were so strong against having uh, out gay people as scout leaders and members, was that a lot of their sponsoring agencies around the country are churches. And, mm-hmm. and the Mormon church is really big as a sponsor of Boy Scout troops right. and uh, Catholic church as well. Yeah. Uh, so they were worried about losing sponsors if they had out gay people. Yeah. And uh, as a result of all the negative publicity and pressure that they got uh, after the Dale decision, they ended up allowing uh, out gay people. Mm-hmm. And they probably lost uh, uh, some number of sponsors. I mean, one of the reasons... I mean, it took a lot of time. One of the reasons they, It took a lot of time. But one of the reasons their membership is down is probably because there were fewer Boy Scout troops, uh, because there were fewer sponsors... Yeah, right. uh, yeah I, there's probably a chicken and egg thing there in terms of the, there are fewer boys. Girl Scouts seem to have got it Girl right. Girl Scouts did fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did. I think they filed an amicus brief on the right side in that yeah. case as well. Let's call it the left side. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we've talked this case as much as we can for now. Um, but thank you so much, Art, for well, sharing. The last a thing what? that yeah. we should mention that our friends at the ACLU are representing uh, the interveners here. There yeah. are t- two Philadelphia LGBT organizations that are interveners here to help defend the city's policy. Okay. And Leslie Cooper from the ACLU. Oh, amazing. She argued in the Third Circuit. I'm not sure who they'll have at the Supreme She's Court. fantastic. But because they are co-respondents here, they have a right to argue. So it's not just going to be the Philadelphia City And I solicitor. should say that we are, legal. the LGBT Bar Association of New York, is honoring the ACLU for their 100, now one, years of advocacy on behalf of civil liberties and equality. And Leslie Cooper is featured in the video that we're having before we present the award. So uh, thank goodness for the ACLU. Give them money uh, and also give us money. All right, we're going to wrap this. Thank you so much, Art, for your expertise. I know people are going to be chomping at the bit to hear what you have to say. That that does it for our uh, Supreme Court Breaking News podcast. Uh, join us again for what we're getting ready to record, which is our regular Law Notes episode of the podcast. <laughs>